are now listening to The Not So Great Awakening. Many believe the graduation of our civilization will be an external evolution. I believe it will be an internal revolution. 2020. I see government dissolving. A simplification, an undoing, a return to Mother Nature. Barriers are kind of all falling down for economic reasons. You know, they're all so interbound. Nature is conscious. Nature is alive. Nature is an organism full of intent. This podcast is an investigation, a journey in. A look at how we can be more loving, more compassionate, more engaged, and more at one with ourselves and others. this the first episode i spoke to alex ebert aka edward sharp he's most well known for his profound writing ability and brilliance as a singer and artist but i've also found him to be a powerful thinker social activist and an alchemist he's won a golden globe for his scoring ability and has toured the world touching millions upon millions of people with his music his hit home has been played billions of times but it was his tune truth under his own name that first led me to his work we spoke about allowing the darkness in the reality we are all undoubtedly sharing echo chambers, politics, love, and how we need to each individually be the vehicles for the radical change we so desire to see in the world. Yeah. How are you, brother? Good. Um, just kind of going to settle in one second. Yeah, I'm no almost, take, take your time, brother. Almost there. Take your okay. time. This is such an interesting audio All experience right. for me. Is that you taking your vitamins, your your afternoon vitamins? Yeah, yeah precisely. Yeah. That's so funny. Well, I'm glad you're yeah. you're vitalized. Vitalized, yeah. Well, we'll see about that. I have a uh, I have ice um, melting in a bath right now for my for my ice bath, which I shall plunge into right after this. Nice man. Um, Are you familiar with uh, with yeah. with breath work? Yeah, done, yeah, yeah, it sort of forces the uh, source, forces that breath work, um, which I love. Um, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, okay, I'm uh, I'm situated. Brilliant. Thank you so much for yeah. for making the time, Alex. Um, yeah. So ult- ultimately, like the founding intention behind this platform is to bring about a greater sense of community and, and a shared reality and. You are somebody who's kind of written some of the most resonant words that I've ever heard um, and and understood <laughs> experientially. Um, so for me, my my intention is to just connect with you as as a as a human being in the world who has learned to navigate th- 
the 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 kind of the constructs as you have and and kind of speak to like your your beliefs and your intentions and kind of how you're spending this time and and how you've come to believe the things you do and for me um yeah i had a had a real contradiction when i was uh i was listening to your instagram tv video um and i had this this really interesting inner conflict where um where you said how can it how can it benefit those who wish to control us if we each believe we are manifesting our own reality? And I was like, wow, that's so interesting because I believe in manifestation, but I also believe in collective consciousness and collective manifestation and collective trauma and collective... I'm a socialist also. I believe in in, in helping the most vulnerable and we're, we're all one. So I had this inner conflict yeah. where I was like, oh, that's so interesting. Like, you, you've really raised this <laughs> this kind of confluence where I'm like, oh, I do believe I, I manifest a lot of what has come to, to pass in my experience. And I believe we are, are all capable of attracting that. But at the same time, this is a shared reality and we're all collectively manifesting this shared reality together at the same time. And uh, mm. it was just beautifully, just just the, even the tone and the way you articulated yourself was just so poignant uh, that it just struck me. I was like, okay. And I was actually, it was an interesting situation because I, I was going to sleep and it, it was the last thing I was thinking about was that inner conflict that you brought up. And I was like, I'm just going to message him and see if he'd be open to talking about the nitty grittiness <laughs> of that. And then I pinged you a message and, and yeah. I was... It was it was amazing to 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 kind of have a, a response like that to, and your openness. So I just want you to know that I'm deeply appreciative of your time and and I love your craft and the way you've been able to 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 hone the conditioned vessel of energy that you are to kind of put out the frequency and vibration that you do. It really speaks um, so much to the to the nuances of the human experience that um, the trauma, the the kind of the, the daily shadow, the the work as as uh, as I'll as I'll put it, but yeah, so I'm really grateful, but, um, I just want to, yeah, I wanted to just start with gratitude and intention. That's the, that's the intention for the conversation, to be honest. It's not, it's not, there's no cloak and dagger. That's just it. Uh, and I'm, and I'm very grateful for your time. So I just want to talk to you about, about that conflict. Like, where do you, yeah, where do you sit on that? Like how, how, how have you come to have those beliefs? Well, I think I, I sit exactly where you, um, where you say you ended up, um, which is, you know, um, it's a great responsibility to manifest things. Um, you know, there are so many sort of modes of self-empowerment um, that rely on total individuation from the group and total isolation and siloing of individualistic characteristics. Um, so for instance, um, if someone is in pain, you know, it's very, very common. If a friend of yours is in emotional pain because of something you did, it's very common for, you know, a life coach or something along those lines to tell you um, their pain has nothing to do with you or that's not your responsibility. Or, um, you know, on the flip side, you know, um, recognizing or attempting to recognize your um, total sovereignty emotionally and everyone else's sovereignty. And if they, you know, if they're upset, they're choosing to be upset and that's their choice, but that's not your business. You don't have to worry yourself about that. 
And while that's extremely empowering and obviously um, relieves so much of the burden of interactivity and connectivity, and while I entirely understand why it's been popularized to the point that it's been, um, it's simply not true. <laughs> it's simply not the case. We are all responsible to degrees. It's not a binary. It's not black and white. It's not that I'm wholly responsible for you or that you're wholly responsible for me or that you're 50%. It's, it's, a, it's a gradient like anything else. So some kid, um, you know, shivering in Siberia without any food, am I responsible for that kid? Well, yeah, actually. Am I 100%? No. 99, 50, 25? No. But some fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a percent, I'm responsible for the soup that we all live in. I'm responsible for the atmosphere, the cultural atmosphere, to some infinitesimally small degree. We're all responsible collectively for the world within which we live, just to some small degree. And I know that, you know, humans are really, um, we can really sort of digest binary black and white sort of yes, no, um, you know, multiple question sort of tracts really well, but we have a really hard time sort of digesting the idea of nuance. Um, meanwhile, nuance is life. Everything is nuance. Um, you know, and another thing about despotism and, and what it seeks to sort of, you know, what despotism thrives on is a lack of nuance. When you eradicate nuance, you invite in tyranny. Um, you know, in fact, the disappearance of nuance almost guarantees the appearance of tyranny and, you know, total dogmatic, uh, thinking. Mm. So, you know, I think in the nuance. Yeah, I think the reality is that it is nuance that we're all, mm. to varying degrees, responsible for the the act, the literal climate, the emotional climate, um, the intellectual climate within which we live. Yeah, I fully. You're speaking my heart there. I fully hear you on. on it's almost like nuance is compassion. <laughs> it's like it, it's it's how much yes. are you willing to. Uh, allow yourself to feel the pain of others and then from that point the action you take the responsibility that you speak of is almost like that's up to you like if you want to feel responsible then the world is such a place that you can actually take on like ownership over a child who's freezing in Siberia by making it a responsibility of yours and it's almost like you have the choice to, to choose your level of responsibility towards certain global, macro, massive, external issues, the same way you have responsibility to take ownership over micro, internal issues. And that's what, that's what struck me because you, you, you articulated it in a way that really spoke to a certain demographic of people that I would see as having a lot of compassion, spiritual people, people who are considering themselves, let's say, on the path, they have a practice, they have crystals, <laughs> yeah. they have a meditative practice, they consider themselves to yeah. be worldly, compassionate, empathetic people, yet you also hit a note of, but at the same time, you're, you're, you're in the past, 
you're you're aware and this is the nuance that you hit on that i thought was so juicy it was brilliant it was like but at the same time are you but also in belief that you're creating your own reality in order to shield yourself and protect yourself from feeling responsible for other people's suffering and that was genius for me and it, it led me to kind of question the shared reality that you also spoke about because we now believe and can see that experientially and practically those boundaries are clearly not there because this current crisis that we all face doesn't yeah. doesn't appear to the eye you can't attribute blame you can't attribute say oh that's your fault because you did xyz it doesn't choose who it targets it has no race it has no uh you know gender it doesn't have a sexual orientation it doesn't have a border it just is and what i'm fascinated with and what i want to use this platform as is a bookmark to 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 scream out how can we be different how can we rise from this? And what is it teaching us? If we, if we switch to a lens of gratitude and we say, what is, it, what is this thing here to teach us? Or what can we take from this? Mm. And I'm not saying that from an ignorant place. There are people who are paying the maximum price. They're, paying, they're literally paying for this with their, their very existence as humans on the planet, right? So I'm not saying yeah. that that isn't happening and that that suffering isn't there. But if we're to collectively try as, a, as, one, as one race, as one species, as one civilization to, to distill the tenets of wisdom and learning from this, then what the fuck can we take from it and how can we take action in our lives to make sure that those people who are most vulnerable, those systems that are in place, that capitalism doesn't rule for the rest of our time on the planet and then ultimately kill us. And that's what I'm really interested in. And that's, that kind of brings me to the second question in that like shared reality. One, like you in your own personal life, and you can speak to that as much as you feel comfortable, but two, from the broader sense, and I'm not saying that you're perfect, you're just incredibly, <laughs> you're incredibly talented at articulating yourself, but you're also clearly speaking from a place of self-exploration and self-inquiry that you've, You've gone mm. and done a lot of work to, to be in a position where you can have these um, stances and opinions and, and want to push society in a way that clearly um, it seems to me to be a more compassionate, a, a better place for everyone to live. So I, I'm, I'm not holding you to a God status, Alex, by any, any means, but I certainly <laughs> am curious as to, yeah. as to know <laughs> how, how you feel people can act and take autonomy over their experience, but also be be more aware of others like post i think you refer to it as like ac you're like <laughs> after covid as we call mm -hmm. it like ac and i was like okay yeah so what what does ac look like for you as an individual but what do you think it could look like for us as a as a collective well could is, is the operative word and so i'll i'll indulge my 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 optimism here for this answer um it could be that we agree that we live in a shared reality, number one, which I think is really important. I think the, the, all the well-meaningness of the New Age movement um, and the sort of the movement of magic in a lot of ways, I think that we are magic. We are extraordinary beings. I think thoughts are things. I think a lot of things that are sort of, you know, magical realism are simply reality and realities that we're just tuning into. However... Um, it is extraordinarily important that we remember 
um, that a shared reality is not only a concept, it's the very premise of our ability to have collective power, to resist um, subjugation, to work together, um, to truly enact empathy, not just speak empathy, but enact it in our daily lives. It is extremely important. And while concepts of the multiverse and um, the idea of is this reality even like what's even real, man, like those are cool concepts. But even if we even if there are multiple like, you know, infinitely multiple, you know, universes, like the concept of the multiverse, this particular one that we're in, we're sharing it. And I think that's really important. So that's number one, um, is that hopefully, you know, this um, modulates some of that sort of new age thinking that has allowed, for instance, Trump, someone like Trump, for who instance, Trump, Trump's father, uh, Trump's um, a pastor when he was a kid, um, was a follower of, um, God damn it, I'm blanking on the name, but he wrote something called Get Rich, uh, Think Yourself Rich. Um, and if I remember the name, I'll, I'll, I'll say it, but it's essentially the very first book ever. It's, it's the predecessor to the think, secret. Think and grow and rich, Trump's right? whole thing. Was it Think and Grow Rich? What's that? Was it Think and Grow Rich? Uh, it's Think, Think Yourself Rich. It's the, it's the, um, the first one, and, the, and then what's the guy's name who was a... Um, I have a computer. <laughs> um, anyway, it was Trump's pastor when he was a kid. And, um, you know, and Trump himself will say, um, he's on record. I mean, I saw it when he, you know, he's asked how much he's worth. And he says, well, it depends how I feel each day. Because he's a total, you know, devotee of the notion of, of um, the secret and manifestation um, through sort of a mindset. Um, I'm not exactly sure what my point is there. Oh, oh, my point is that it's no accident. It's not just that, oh, the new age movement set up a sort of atmosphere in which alternative facts could be something that ever even came out of anyone's mouth. Um, and I'm not sure if you're aware of that, but one of Trump's ma main liaisons sort of floated this idea of alternative facts to describe mm -hmm. various things that Breitbart um, Trump Deuter, thought that his, his kind of propaganda, the Breitbart guy, is that him? Who's... Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't him, it was actually his uh, Kellyanne Conway, his sort of like uh, uh, the counterpart to Breitbart. And, um, and so, you know, him being a de devotee of this, he, he's essentially part of the New Age movement, Trump is. And I know that's hard for <laughs> a lot of people to hear, but, um, you know, he's simply employing the secret. So anyway, the one thing about a shared reality is super, super important. So stop being sort of like, you know, so living in the lap of luxury that you're willing to sort of be like, yeah, I don't know. It's like reality, reality. I have a really brilliant friend, one of my most brilliant friends. Um, if not my most, my, my most, he probably had the biggest impact on me um, just befriending him. But uh, he was at a bar and a guy said, I don't know, like, you know, what is reality? Is this even real? Like who, who can really tell? And he just punched him in the face. And I think that that's important. Uh, and the guy thanked him. They had a drink and later he was like, thanks. You know, I needed a bit of a wake up. Um, we live in a shared reality. So that's number one. Number two, it cannot help th this thing, you know, in, in, my, in my hopefulness, I cannot help but think that ideas of 
shared health. Um, in other words, you know, universal health care, um, universal basic income, um, caring for each other, empathy, not simply because like, if I can't convince someone to have empathy based on, you know, the orientation of their spirit, perhaps I can convince them to have empathy based on their own sense of self-preservation, because it's very important that to preserve ourselves, we live in a, in a context that facilitates preservation at all. Um, you know, if your neighbor is sick and dying, it will affect you at some point, you know? And, and so we want to live for, for, for selfish reasons in a world in which, you know, in a world that facilitates the health and wellness of all. And um, in those ways, I think that, I do believe that socialist concepts, um, I mean, I, I literally think that what may happen, and I hear Trump start to talk about it, is that socialist concepts that may even be sort of co-opted um, by the far right. Um, you, you, we could easily see that happen, um, you know, in the next, within the next year, where suddenly, you know, the United States, for instance, has Medicare for all. It's just not called that. It's called Trump care or whatever. Yeah. Um, the same and thing. And where we suddenly do have a UBI or a universal basic income, mm -hmm. but it's not called that. It's called, you know, whatever the fuck. Um, yeah. So I, I see... I see, I see people coming around, hopefully, to sort of more, let's say, communal principles, uh, just because the, the word socialist is, you know, such a hot button. You know, it's the new racism, it, it, partisanship over here, um, you know, and I, and I experience it, too, um, where I, you know, I, I experience my own, my own sense of extreme prejudgment uh, if I find out that someone is a Republican. <laughs> yeah. It's funny and, to watch um, that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah, we're all we're all living through so lenses. I think those two things are 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 hopefully gonna come of this and, and 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 that um more sort of socially beneficial actions um you know will be will be understood in a much more visceral way. It won't be some sort of like quote bleeding heart liberal, you know, concept to these more hardened, um, you know, folks who, who honestly, I just don't even understand. I think, you know, for me personally is like, how did you come to believe in, you know, helping your neighbor? And, you know, it's like, uh, because maybe, I don't know, cause I was born that way. Probably like, I don't, I think that there is such a thing as sort of, you know, hormonal balances that, um, for instance, oxytocin, um, is essentially responsible for empathy. So it's possible that some humans just like, you know, are hormonally ba balanced differently than others. And, um, you know, whatever, mm. that's not to say I'm into some sort of, you know, idea of, um, what do you call that when you know, you're purifying the races, um, cleansing, ethnic <laughs> cleansing. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Fuck. There's some name for it. I'm blanking on, but, um, eugenics, eugenics. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, but rather to say that we're all, we're all in this together. And, um, and at some point, you know, this, a reality comes along and unifies us. I mean, it's always been the case in movies and whatnot that, you know, an alien invasion would unify humanity finally. Well, this is, you know, a disease is an alien invasion. It's, it's, um, something biologically foreign to our bodies that's, um, wreaking havoc. So here it is. Yeah. And we have a decision now and like, how do we respond to that? Like, what is our response? 
And I think it's also interesting yeah. how you spoke about like oxytocin and empathy. And for me, it's, it's, it's also a part of human psychology and conditioning in that the justifications we make create the reality we choose to live in. So, you know, for a long time, I've done work in addiction services through the medium of like visual storytelling. And you kind of at the start, you're like, okay, like I'm expecting to see people who have made a bad decision in their lives, like early on, or like something happened where, you know, they, they chose to, to take drugs and then that led and then you realize oh actually no that person was in deep pain and they needed to use mm. substance in order to numb the pain they were actually self-medicating themselves and you kind of have mm. this sense of oh jesus like it's so layered and i think people who are orwellian in their beliefs and like tyr tyrannic in how they live they have little mental ninja moves that they make in order to justify things to themselves about how others are and it's the whole, mm. it's the whole othering in the first place. It's like, I'm mm -hmm. here, I have X and you don't because you made bad decisions or you're not a great mm -hmm. person or whatever, whatever justification it is. So I think it's definitely, we, we, it's taught, like when you say you're, I think, I think for the most part we're born, we're born loving, open, vulnerable creatures. And from there we get conditioned into who we who we become based on our experience of this reality and what's going on so it's um i would definitely like to believe that it's a hundred percent conditioning because then mm. you know there's a hundred percent a possibility that we can correct uh the entire thing through education and interaction so yeah um yeah. I'm, I'm not necessarily convinced that it's all conditioning but i do know that um you know i think there's there's so much hope in the idea of epigenetics, um, the idea that we um, augment and, and supplement and even entirely mutate our sort of DNA based on the experiences we have, and then that we pass those um, changes of our DNA onto our, uh, you know, our offspring, our progeny. And, um, and what that essentially means is that amazing experiences, uh, educational experiences, um, actually get passed down. Um, and, and I think that that's really important to remember, like even just in terms of like, you know, meditation or, you know, whatever it is, it's not simply a bandaid, but a, but a real genetic mutation we're attempting to undergo when we try to, um, heal trauma, um, and, and all of that. Yeah. Are you familiar with ancestral trauma and, and have you ever have you ever done some medicine work in in your life? Have you ever, um, yeah? Have you ever done um, any kind of work? Not extensively on it? to the point where, yeah, I haven't like I haven't done ayahuasca yet, for instance, or um, or anything sort of um, you know as as sort of ritualistic um, that 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 I would say I've I've really done the work, um, but I'm familiar with it and uh, looking forward to it as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, how have you come to to be in in this kind of version of of yourself? I'm curious to know what you believe has shaped your uh, your outlook and your desire to to be um, to be a compassionate vessel for for hope. I think you're a vessel for hope. I think you're a vessel for healing. I think that you're radical in your use of your art form with regard to bringing about change and. 
you um you've got a beautiful openness about your brother it's like it's incredibly um rich and like uh, you can almost feel it when you when you look at something that you're like putting yourself into it's like you're you're so open Ooh. and you're so inclusive um i'm really curious to know like how how alex came to to be that way uh, whether there's formative <laughs> events in your life and i'm not asking for your whole life story but i'm i'm interested no, no, i'm really, no, I'm really I, interested um, you know, it's something that I've been asked before, and um, and I'm a bit mystified as to what the answer might be. Um, it's a reductive question as well. I want to also say that it is like, oh, how did you become this? Like, I mean, how does anyone become who they are? It's like, however many right. years you've been on yeah. the planet, but there are formulative, like, um, experiences, I believe, or like, uh, influences you just spoke about your friend who's yeah. you know like I'm, I'm curious to know what what have yeah. been your greatest teachers yeah um there's something about my first memories of um essentially the politics of tyranny and rebellion came around time of I was five and that was that was like my first introduction to um to sort of like my own personal experience with you know attempted you know miniature oppressions of school teachers and overly strict principals and um and bullies in school and kids trying to beat me up or beat someone else up and um and for whatever reason, you know, I, th I think I, I came into the world with a certain sort of um, mindset that uh, that lended itself to um, to a sense of, I guess, well, I mean, I hesitate to call it righteousness, but uh, privately, I'd probably say it's sort of something like righteousness. It's um, some sense of like what's right and and fairness and wanting um wanting things to be fair and and i think very very integral to me for whatever reason um a very visceral rebellion against um not allowing uh, even kids you know uh, in elementary school preschool even to express themselves as um robust individuals um to express their sense of their own instincts and whatnot. I remember one of my mom's favorite stories and mine, and I remember it, um, it was in preschool. I was five years old. Um, there's a lot that happened when I was five for some reason, but, um, there was a new jungle gym and they put it up and they said, uh, it was made of tires and they lined all the kids up and they said, we have a new jungle gym and this is how you use it. Here are the rules. It's very important. You listen about these rules and they started going through the rules. And I remember this and I got up and I walked out in front of the entire class and I said, no, 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 no. This is how you use it. And I just started climbing it. And, um, and that is me in a nutshell in a way. Um, and, and so that, that in a way was a formative experience in, in that, it was a touchstone I could continue to look back on as, as, um, 
as integral to my to my being as a way to in some ways explain uh, the trouble I ended up getting into um, throughout my life that eventually ended up serving me after after a long time of it seeming not to um, I think I I suffered in a lot of ways um, through through high school um, with my rebellion and um, from just kind of yet, calling you know, bullshit on things and having people react in a ca- way that's... Calling bullshit, but also, yeah, being being really um, hyper-anti-authoritarian. Um, but you know what? There's something that I'm really... I love this. I love, I love when realizations happen in the middle of a conversation, and I just had one that I've never... has never occurred to me before. Brilliant. Um, <laughs> You're in a safe space. Because <laughs> I was so rebellious. yeah. Because I was so rebellious um, from, you know, I was constantly getting in trouble. My mother would arrange with the school to let me stay in the school because they would, they, would, they would threaten to kick me out. And she would arrange for me to stay in various schools um, on the premise that I was going to go to therapy. And so starting at literally the age of three, uh, because I was being hit by a, um, I was being hit by a nanny, and uh, apparently I was uh, hitting uh, kids in preschool, and preschool starting in preschool, then elementary school, and on and on, kindergarten, um, I kept getting in trouble. But it started at age three. I got sent to a uh, therapy, and I think part of my willingness to be open emotionally, probably actually is a result of the therapy I had to do because I was so rebellious. And so in a weird way, the rebellion led to this, um, this entrainment with, um, emotional openness. Um, because I mean, you know, when you're three, the kind of therapy that, that anyway, that they were doing with me is like, here's a, here's a little gummy monster you put on your finger and here's another one on your other finger what does this monster want to tell the little boy and you start talking to yourself you're like i hate you you know or whatever you start explaining your emotions through play and through you know make believe and um and so from a really fucking early age i was being coaxed into um uh emotional conversation and and an emotional openness and yeah, it's fucking interesting. I never, mm. never occurred to me. So that might've been really one of my formative, um, experiences that was ongoing until, you know, um, into high school. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. It's, yeah. Um, <laughs> Thanks for asking. Yeah. It's, it's something that I revisit time and time again in that, when we push against something, the result of that push usually shapes us in a way. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. therapy, <laughs> well, therapy for me is just health. I mean, if we want to be clear vessels, and I, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that from a place of religion or dogma, but I just mean if you just want to be free from, from pain and suffering, then... Then looking at things that have caused you pain that you're holding on to that weigh you down from a young age and developing a relationship to your emotions yourself as a child, 
are incredibly formative and important ways for you to understand yourself and the world. And um, have you ever read uh, Scott Peck, um, The Road Less Travelled? Scott Peck? No, I'm going to write it down now. Scott Peck, yeah. He wrote a book called uh, The Road Less Traveled and he's a he's a psycho he's a psychiatrist and he's a therapist, psychotherapist and he he explains he has this beautiful definition of love that I think is just like it's it's for me it's it's the it's the most closely kind of resonant definition I've ever heard of love and he explains it in a way that he says love is the extension of oneself in in pursuit of one's own or another's spiritual growth. Now, if you break that down, it's essentially like love is growth. Love is moving through something. Love is, is an extension. It's never a subtraction. It's always an extension. It always creates something. And it's either for someone else, towards someone else, or it's for yourself. It's your own, and when I say spiritual growth, cultivating the seed that is inside you that you believe is your truth, essentially. And yeah. I think he he's, he describes therapy in a way that I've never I've never witnessed before. And in that book, he just goes into like, okay, you're just it's just about stripping away. You're just constantly stripping away. And I think when you talk about when and and I kind of rounds to the, like the, the start of the conversation when you talk about like how are we where we are right now in, in a world that's quite divided and capitalistic well it comes down to everyone's own personal relationship to themselves <laughs> it's on a micro level it's like well you're you're mm-hmm. really if, if you're in a healed state and we're all individually in a healed state then the collective are going to be in a healed state and we're going to be kinder and better to one another but our 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 collection of traumas shape the way we act and our desire for power for x reason because so and so bullied us when we were a child and we believe that money is actually power and status is actually value like status within society is our own internal value then we're going to seek those things as humans in order to validate who we are and therefore we're going to cause a lot of other people pain in pursuit of those goals that are so far removed from our humanness. So for me, Alex, I, I, I'm i very optimistic and I'm very hopeful about our, our ability to heal. And I had a realization, I, I was talking to one of my elders um, a couple of weeks ago on the phone and I used to think like, oh, right, like I'm going to exist within this crazy like happenstance and I'm going to be able to like be like, yeah, but universally it's perfect. You know, like the rings of Saturn, they're fucking perfect on a macro scale. We may be having suffering here, but the key is to like, have an internal sense of calm in the midst of all this. And there was a very subtle shift, but it was, it's was it been massive in the last couple of weeks, which has inspired me to actually reach out to people like yourself and, and, and create this platform. Is like, we need to be agents of healing in this experience in order to create this present reality and make it better for everyone. Like we can't passively exist mm-hmm. as the artist or as the mm-hmm. filmmaker or as the, the bus driver or as mm-hmm. the postman. We need, if we're to turn the corner, then we all need to be agents for change in our most immediate mm-hmm. circles. We can't just witness yeah. the shit show or witness the kind of spin cycle going around and then wait for it to change. We all need to take ownership over what we can actually contribute. And I think that's why these these moments are, are like so important that like there's no time for frivolity now. We need to actually become agents for change. And I think if more people, as 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 young children like you are, 
started to try to understand their behavior by going to therapy, like the world would be in a better place, you know? Um, yeah. And even just if parents were able to, you know, uh, just getting the idea of, of encouraging their kids to express themselves in, in, in ways. And I think that that's happening. You know, we're all, we're all fucking, you know, the whole of the whole of the world is, is slowly coming around, um, to concepts and, and essentially concepts of empathy and, and emotional expression that are far healthier. Um, you know, um, even, you know, I was talking about this with, um, a friend, but, um, she was like, you know, how did you feel when Kobe died? And I was like, well, you know, I, I went through sort of like, uh, the nuances of it, but the thing that stuck with me was all of the men who, who were crying on TV, tough guys, like big guys, you know, like, um, you know, Shaquille O'Neal just bawling on TV, LeBron James crying on TV and how fucking healthy that is for all these kids to see their hero crying, um, and loving like their brother. It's like, you know, these things are, these things, these things wouldn't have happened if, you know, a couple of decades ago, um, men didn't, you know, feel so inclined, uh, to give themselves permission these kind of things and, and things are changing yeah we have to believe that you know even in if yeah. in the immediate there is a lot more suffering in in the present like when people are dying i'd like to believe that we're moving towards something or at least we have the potential to move towards something better like we've never been oh, in a better yeah we've never been in a better I mean, that's position what always yeah it's, there's nothing more aggravating than a whole bunch of potential unused, you know, and, and I think that's what's aggravated me about humanity for so long. And I used to be a, a genuine sort of misanthrope and just fucking disgusted with the wasted potential of, of humanity. And then, you know, um, eventually I sort of got more into the hopeful side of things. And yeah, Alex, and how, how are you with the start of, how are you? what yeah. is what is your what is your intention i suppose with your output when it comes to yeah your your own energy while you're here like what is it you're you're trying to do through your music through your writing through your conversations through your time like do you have a a focused intent um yeah uh it's always been to um to help unlodge uh our essentially our memories of our capacities um, to uh, shake loose that not hope, but that remembrance of our powers, you know, what we are capable of, um, which should give us hope, obviously, but to shake loose that power. And I think that one of the, primary ways that I've been so far, um, especially with Edward Sharp, uh, working, uh, that angle has been in permission and the idea of, um, giving people permission by granting myself permission, uh, giving them permission to sort of cut loose, um, to experience their own wilderness and the power of it. Um, to relieve themselves of 
you know, external dogmas that may have been sort of suppressing them. If even just for a moment, um, you know, if even just for a moment for me while I'm on stage, uh, giving myself that permission, um, you know, I certainly don't give myself full permission all the time. I wish I did. I'm working on it. But, um, yeah, I think that the permission to uh, remember our power and free ourselves from sort of concern of, you know, uh, social anxieties and the various aspects of social life that really um, tacitly and invisibly um, subjugate us. And then I think part two, which I've been just sort of diving into more recently is to, um, to then help, you know, shake loose some of the, some of those accidental dogmas a little bit more uh, directly by literally just speaking about them, um, which is something I'd sort of always shied away from uh, in, you know, for fear of, you know, playing too much the part of the guru or some shit like that. Um, but something new in me cracked open too in the last month or so, uh, where suddenly I, I felt like it was time. So yeah, we'll see what that yields. Yeah. I look forward to seeing how you explore that. And it's, yeah. um, yeah, it's, I had a, had a realization similar to, to what you're talking about. Like, and also just thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um, I feel okay. like if, if you don't want to be judged, then don't judge. And it's like, I had that unlocking, um, I had that unlocking a couple of years ago. I think it was like four or five years ago where I was like, okay, if I don't want to be judged, then I need to not judge. I need to wrap myself out whenever I'm finding myself yeah. judging someone else because the, the yeah. quickest way to self-emancipation is to... Uh, not look at anyone else through a lens of judgment and then you don't perceive judgment from anyone else and it's like whenever I'm at my lowest and it's a it's a constant battle whenever I'm at my lowest whether it's with my partner or whether it's with my family or whether it's with someone I read about or see on the news I'm always judging them like uh, there's always judgment cropping up in me and I'm like (laughs) fuck this and and then I'm and then because of that I'm judging myself and I'm like ah there's a direct correlation between how much I judge other people's actions and how I feel about myself if I'm feeling liberated and inspired and free then I'm just loving everyone I'm just like yeah you do your thing whatever whatever you want to do like can I help you do your thing can we collaborate in some way there's no fear there it's like um so for you to for you to have that intention and to be touching um, millions of people through your music and through your art form, and and it's felt. I mean, I wrote, just wrote down. Even I have. I, I don't really prep for interviews, but I was a bit nervous about this one, so I actually prepped because it's the first one I did. I did a. I recorded a, a conversation with a, a radical socialist here in Ireland. He's he's also like. Um, He's an author and he's he's big into sociology and it just it was an amazing conversation but it wasn't a very good podcast and that was supposed to be the first and then I had to like basically restructure how I wanted the podcast to be and then you came to me that night just before yeah. I went to sleep and I was yeah. like okay so I got nervous but I just wrote down mm. I wrote down a couple of words of yours and I just think this this is like that very essence of like not like not not caring but ca- caring enough and thinking about all the reasons why you shouldn't care and then realizing that they don't make sense, like judging yourself doesn't make sense and then following through. So like 
The truth is that I never shook my shadow and every day it's trying to trick me into doing battle. Calling out faker only get me rattled. Want to put me back behind the fence with the cattle. Building your lenses, digging your trenches. Tilt my chin back, slit my throat, take a bath in my blood, get to know me. All out of my secrets, all of my enemies are turning into my teachers. Like, that for me, brother, is like just some of the most poignant, honest, vulnerable bold like writings that I've ever heard and I just I, I try to imagine the place that you were in when you wrote about that like mm-hmm. when when you wrote truth what place were you in like where were you mentally and where were energetically and then also like wh- where were you actually writing this yeah uh so I was uh I was writing it in uh in Echo Park uh California and I was um I wrote it very quickly all at once and it was a very specific feeling. Um, so I, Edward Sharp had become uh, fairly popular uh, in the two years since we released our first album. And um, we were really committed to spreading this sort of childlike I was really committed to something that I'd always um, bastardized, which was earnestness uh, and being a child and at a show and tell, not a fucking rock star, but uh, there to celebrate um, and to show that, you know, indeed I actually like being on stage and, and I want to be here with you people. And all of that led to this sort of, celebrationalist milieu about us. And while that was earnest and honest for me, there was a lot of my writing that was being overlooked. There was a lot of songs on the first Edward Sharp album, like Black Water or Desert Song or even 40 Day Dream or Brother or even Om Nashime, which essentially means Yes, My Destruction. Um, there was a lot of stuff that wasn't understood and I felt that I had um, a duty to tell all of these folks that had celebrated with me that I still had a shadow and that it wasn't all celebration but or of light. It wasn't all light, but also celebration of darkness. And, um, and I felt the duty to sort of come out as multidimensional. Um, I, I, I felt like it was important to express, uh, to these, to these fans, essentially, it was, it was essentially a song to my, to my appreciators and to the folks that had been at shows and the folks that came up and said we were spreading pure fucking joy. I felt like it was a, a song that I needed to write specifically for them and to them, a confession. Um, and um, because I wasn't not dealing with my own shit. I wasn't in a place of uh, pure hippie bliss all of the time at all. Um, <laughs> you know, not even, not even nearly. And, um, 
and I think that 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 felt really important to me to sort of come out with my shadow and sort of um you know almost like a coming out party but as a as a as a being of you know um who you know is with his shadow and um and and instead of trying to erase my shadow or hide it um or dress it up um embracing it and loving it and loving yours also and it just felt like something that needed to be said and um and i was as soon as i sort of wrote those words um i felt the importance of it and um you know people will come up and say amazing things about home uh we got married to home we did this to home you know home did change my life it did this but the energy when people come up to me and tell me thank you before they even say anything i know what they're going to say and it's about truth because the the energy that they come up to me with is um just different uh very often sort of like they'll they'll start sort of bowing and i'll start bowing and we're sort of both bowing to each other <laughs> and uh and the main thing they'll just sort of say is thank you and like touch their hearts and like you know it's almost never an autograph uh maybe a hug uh pure reverence for one another it's uh special yeah brother yeah i'm very grateful that you're alive and um same man this is a a wonderful conversation as soon as you hit me up and explained your sort of mission statement i was i was all in thank you yeah thank you yeah i'm also conscious of not making it this is this is sharing some internal process as well i sometimes feel like we can live in um in an echo chamber you know and i felt it i felt it a lot when i lived in la for three years as well um on Sunset and Mitchell Torino, I used to I used to go to that community garden on the corner all the time, and I fucking yeah. I loved it, man. I absolutely I loved Los Angeles, but I felt at the end of like three years, like I was living in an echo chamber. That if I really wanted to create the change and be the change that I wanted to see in the world, then I needed to get a get get a vessel and build a vessel and and come home because I could, I always had to be signed onto someone else's visa. But it's like, how do we as humans? penetrate so let's say this conversation right we've we've had a really therapeutic conversation it's just been an amazing hour we've connected we've shared ideals how the fuck do we get these in front of people in a way that doesn't sound like we're hippy dippy fucking you know self kind of self important you know intellects talking about therapy and philosophy and socialism how how can we how can we translate this so we can connect with people and just like because i just want to have dialogue that resonates with everybody and i think if people tune into this they'll hear just an open-heartedness but how do we get this in front of people that we don't know or that we don't probably talk to you know like what have you have you explored that idea of living in an echo chamber and i know la can feel that way with the way it is oh yeah um yeah i'm 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 hyper aware of that um and i think in some ways you know one aspect that's you know uh, true dissent is um disagreement to the group with the group to which you belong not simply disagreement with some other group but 
but dissent is disagreement with the group to which you belong. And I think the echo chamber, you know, it's not, it, I mean, look, we all need remindings of things that we think we already know, but, you know, we've fallen out of practice with. But um, with regard to conversations like this that are really attempting to sort of crack open um, disparate philosophies and can join them with action and actionable sort of items um, and galvanize people um, who might otherwise have not been galvanized um, and get people to, you know, one of the most important things to me in some of my communications is that a lot of the folks um, who have all of the means um, and who practice all of the right things um, are also the ones who are in their day-to-day lives um, manifesting the most siloed echo chambered realities. Um, they're the ones who, who, and yet they're the ones who could, they're the ones who essentially have most of the power, uh, the social power, the sort of social anxiety power, the, the ability to um, inflict uh, peer pressure, um, create change. Um, so it's really, really important. And that's, by the way, the group to which I tend to be at least perceived to belong and which, and the group to which I probably do belong, at least socioeconomically. And so it's very important for me to shine, to, to, to provide a mirror for that particular group. Um, and I think that in so many ways, the groups that we can speak to most powerfully and help change most powerfully are the groups to which we belong. Mm. And, you know, it may be hard for me to really reach a sort of like, you know, Republican sort of conservative, um, you know, Christian base uh, and really sort of change them. The Christian thing might maybe a little easier, but, um, but it's very easy for me to speak in compelling terms about a group and the activities of a group that I know very fucking well um, mm. and that I'm perceived to belong to. And to help them, um, I mean, you know, I was going to say correct their behavior, but that sounds very prescriptive. Mm. But at least to sort of be aware, be a little bit more aware of their capacity. Um, And so I think that, you know, speaking, taking uh, the first steps, I think, are are speaking to the groups to which we belong, uh, because those are the groups we have the ears of. And... um, and creating change there. And even if the groups, you know, getting it in front of them is the step one and helping just contributing to a change of behavior or, uh, uh, an emboldening of thought, um, you know, I think can really help. Um, Definitely. and then, you know, starting to s- spread things out from there. I mean, all things start in small, small circles, you know, revolutions that grow, to be worldwide extensions of themselves all start, you know, in a cafe around a table. Mm. And I think that's really important to remember. Absolutely. And I think we're actually members of more groups than we think. Like, I know when I think about it, like, and it's usually familial. There's usually an uncle or an aunt or a cousin or like a friend of a friend who, um, 
who doesn't drink the Kool Aid that that we drink, and we don't drink their Kool Aid. But I think for me, I, I yeah. have I have a cousin. I've cousins in the states, and they would be, um, they would they would hold some of the beliefs of of what of the kind of groups that you just call there. But for me, I stay in touch with them regularly for a number of reasons. One. I don't want to create a divide. Like we can have, we can have foundationally different opinions and still have dinner together and still check in on one another and still be loving yeah. towards one another. And I think that's really important is to not, to not other anyone and not feel like you're out of your depth or they yeah. don't love you because you don't share their beliefs. And, yeah. and I think once at once at the foundation we're, we're, we're loving towards one another, then we then that opens up the conversation, and then you can start to actually look at well, my ideas are right to me. I think they're right, you know, but that's only in my mind, and that's only in my experience based on my conditioning. And I think when yeah. we open up a conversation, we can tap into that, that kind of cognitive dissonance where if if you're asking someone to accept something that you believe to be foundationally just at the core true, and it's coming from a loving place. If they don't believe that and, and you're trying to get them to kind of come around to your idea, it's usually meaning that if they accept what you're saying, that one truth, then it means that every other kind of wall that they've built for themselves is a lie. And then it then then everything has to shatter in order for that one truth to happen and to be to be real yeah. for them. So I think like fundamental questions about politics and sociology and capitalism and morality usually like one question will underpin a whole structure a whole pyramid of belief systems that if 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 one chain or one link in that chain is changed then the foundation is gone and then the 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 identity of that person is rattled and that's a very scary prospect for anybody so it's um yeah. I think we know more people than we think and we're o- and, and being open to the conversation is is key but also influencing and and having conversations with our own group is is important. My last my last kind of uh intention is to, I'm curious to know how are you spending your your day to day? Like you're you have an ice bath running there, you just took your vitamins at noon. Yeah, how is yeah. Alex spending his time yeah. during uh, during the COVID-19 global pandemic? Yeah, so, um, man, it's been, um, I, I, I keep thinking about, you know, I don't know shit about judo other than um, what I've been told. <laughs> and I'm, I'm a kid who, like, my very first story I wrote when I was six years old was like, once there was a boy who knew Kung Fu. Um, actually, it said, once there was a boy with a big, strong crew. They also knew Kung Fu, <laughs> but, um, I, I, uh, I love the idea of, um, using an opponent's energy, um, sort of, well, I guess in judo against them, but so this, in this instance, COVID being my sort of opponent and, um, and just using the energy of the moment rather, I guess the better way to say it is whatever's happening, sort of going with it. Um, and, um, and so what's happened is that everything is slowed down. And for someone who's been a very sort of speedy, you know, progenitor of fucking whatever activities, you know, um, just constantly producing stuff, um, to be confronted with this sort of slowdown at first, I was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. I'm going to create even more because no one will be bothering me. 
Um, and yet, as soon as I felt and felt into the, the, the sort of stoppage, um, I realized that what I wanted to experiment with was actually going with it. So taking it even further. So completely unplugging my Wi-Fi, um, not doing anything, um, turning off my phone, uh, taking ice baths, meditating, um, sitting out in the sun for no reason. I mean, it had, it's been, I feel like it's been literally decades since I, like, I feel like I haven't just sat out and languished in the sun since I was like, for like 15 years. Um, and, and just be basically sort of doing that. And it has been really, um, teaching me a lot. And then the other thing is I struck up, um, a love, <laughs> a, uh, a, a COVID, um, you know, inspired sort of long distance, um, online fucking, you know, FaceTime have happy, uh, romance. And what I've realized too, with that, usually with any romance, it's like, okay, I have an allotted time to sort of romance it up and then I'm going to go get to work because work is calling me. And I suddenly sort of realized that this is the work. Um, Relaxing is the work. Meditation is the work. Falling in love is the work. Understanding this person, getting to know them um, is the work. Opening up my emotions and diving fucking deep, by the way. I mean, distance, I have this sort of new equation, but, but distance sort of requires depth. Because in, in lieu of, in lieu of um, closeness uh, and physicality, really all we are left with is our intellectual and spiritual selves and what they really crave is depth. Mm. And, um, and so the depth has been extreme and extreme in its healing and realization. And it's been utterly beautiful. So my work quote unquote has largely shifted to these, um, just very different looking work than I'm used to doing. Like, you know, I'm used to sitting in front of a computer and doing a typical fucking capitalist humdrum. Mm. Um, but uh, suddenly it's become all about the interpersonal and the personal. And it's been fucking awesome. <laughs> nice, brother. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's also the efficiency era. Like you see that society and politics are like, well, you're working from home now. Uh, like, how efficient can you be? How, as an artist, how much, how many films can you write, or how many, you know, like, right. you know, pitches can you respond to, or how many video treatments can you get? And I was like, I, I, I had to wrap myself out. I was like, hang on, we're we're no, we're at home because there's a global pandemic going on. The 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 real work is the inner work, and um, yeah, yeah, it's uh, I love what you just said about this. Distance. Is a real fucking opportunity, man, for mm. for. And I hope that people are taking, I sense that they are. I sense that people, I mean, I have a lot of friends who are really high output individuals and, and most of them that I've spoke to are having a hard time working. Um, and instead are sort of, I think there's a general zeitgeist I'm hoping that has uh, entrained into the idea of just slowing down. Because when we slow down, we can't help but go inside, you know. Yeah, brother. 
I'm deeply grateful, man, yeah. for the for the time, Alex. And um, yeah, I, I'd love to. Oh yeah, likewise. This has been beautiful, Mark. Thank you. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to stay in touch, man. And I, I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna send you sure. some things after this. But I also, I just want to. It's coming up in me now that I need to express this as well. Like, there is a lot of debt. Yeah, okay, debt. Debt is happening, and people are in in horrible situations. It's it's really fucking sad. Like our most vulnerable members of society, they are dying, and they're dying all over the world. And refugees and people who are most at risk in in large numbers are going to die like a lot of people are and that is fucking really sad and it's really really tragic and and this isn't just an afterthought that i'm like patching on it's 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 in the daily for me and and i can sense you're a deeply sensitive human being alex and i i can feel that it's oh, also i mean you know everything i just said was born of pure luxury um yeah i mean everything i just said was um born of you know the fact that i have a fucking house and a yard to walk into. I mean, you know, and that I can afford fucking the vitamins that I was swilling before joining this call. I mean, society, (laughs) yeah, it goes without saying that, that, that even just, just even the ability to slow down and look within right now is an utter luxury. It's a privilege. Because of the fucking, yeah. And it's, and it's, but it's, it's much, it's not an, it's, it's, it's just, it's fucked is what it is uh, that, you know, and, and hopefully you know, spoke to earlier, part of what this is saying there is that yes, um, you know, uh, like, you know, the, it's just, it's, it cannot be the case that, um, that such a large portion of society is without while such a small portion of society is with, and it just it just can't. It's got to fucking stop, and it's it's utter madness. And I hope that things like this can turn people onto that. You know, um, yeah, that, because that. you know, I mean, that's a really good example, by the way, of not. And I'm glad you brought that up because the siloing of and the echo chamber of um, you know spiritual enlightenment and fucking advancement um so often um turns a blind eye to you know and tries to sort of siphon itself off or cordon itself off rather from um from the realities of the of the socioeconomic world um you know almost almost invariably it doesn't want to you know spiritual conversations don't want to be a part of socioeconomic conversations because they disrupt the um, the continuity of this sort of spiritual message, um, and I think in some ways, you know, that crystallizes it for me. Is what one of my intentions is to completely try and conjoin and and mix up uh, the spiritual with the socio-political uh, and economic, because I think it's uh, time, and I think that it's um, really, really the most important sort of uh, conjoint because mm-hmm. um, they are linked I mean sort of it's the only way like we can't you can't remove like how someone behaves socioeconomically is based on their spirituality I would say you know like the the socioeconomic activity is a symptom of how someone spiritually perceives the world you know like it that's the that's the foundation it's the root and yeah that's why I wanted to I wanted to just kind of 
touch on that privilege because I, I also feel at times during this last month, like I'm I'm staying out in the west of Ireland, like in County Clare. I'm in between two bloody golf courses in my, my fiance's parents' home. Mm-hmm. And I'm like my 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 gratitude for this time is wrapped up in guilt and feeling torn between like, oh my God, like I'm I'm so in love, I'm so lucky, I'm so healthy, my mother's okay, my grandmother is 84, she's okay, I'm like having realizations, I have the tools to continue with my fulfillment in in respect to like my artistic output, my creativity isn't isn't being hampered by this. But at the same time, like I'll sit down for breakfast and Mary Kate will just go like, Oh yeah, a thousand people in Italy died there today. And I was like, Oh, Oh right, yeah. okay. A thousand people in Italy died, and it's not that I don't feel connected. I feel I feel incredibly connected. But I'm like, what can I do now? Okay, what I can do now is focus on, like you said, unlocking that potential within myself, and in some way trying to amplify conversation that empowers the individual to call bullshit on the systems that are not serving everyone, and and take ownership when we come back to realize that this time that you've had on your own if you're fortunate enough to have been in nature or had time when your value didn't come from sending 50 emails getting a paycheck like I've had to lay off my company during this time and I've had to to sign on and a number of us have but I'm realizing that my actual value is coming from spending an hour and 20 minutes on the phone here and like writing and like and 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 spending time in nature and planting seeds and like walking the dog and being on the beach and learning like breathwork techniques and all these other things. And I feel like like what we're both tapping into, I hope the, the zeitgeist out there is that people are realizing that they don't need all of the things that they were spending their time and money on that is contributing to the divide of humanity they don't you don't need all that yeah. you can return to nature you can return to simpler ways and actually you're going to be yeah. fucking happier and and actually that's going to then yeah. have a result that is is more compassionate from an ac- action yeah. point of view to the rest of the world yeah that's what i'm touching on yeah in, in t- entirely i mean you know um there's two things i'd like to see happen i mean the, the original idea of the robot Robot uh, is, is Russian for work. I think Asimov invented it. And the idea was that they relieved, of, re- relieved us of our work, not replaced our jobs, but they relieved us of our work so that we could go, you know, do what we wanted to. Um, and, and one thing that I've been really enjoying just rhetorically about this, um, about this break, um, strictly rhetorically, unless, unless anyone call me a heartless bastard, but... Um, the idea that, uh, how have they been praising it? The government is shutting down all non-essential industry, <laughs> which for some reason brings me, um, I just find that intellectually and economically very interesting. It's like, well, well, what is huh, essential? <laughs> why, if it's not essential, then why are we even doing it? Um, why, why don't the rest like, how about we only keep open essential shit from here going forward and everybody and everybody who doesn't, you know, have to do essential shit, um, gets to basically live their lives and create or invent or whatever it is. Um, Mm. you know, because, you know, industry itself, I mean, Jesus, it's a whole other conversation, but, um, it's the same conversation. I I think, man, it's the same conversation. It's like industry, like GDP or like constantly having a better net 
profit output every year on a finite resource, which yeah. is the planet, leads to destruction. So I think it, it, it's the same conversation. It's the industry is mixed up yeah. in in how we respond to the virus because industry is currently changing, and our our um, our disposition to industry is changing. Like flights, man. How 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 much is Pachamama like buzzing off her tits that fucking planes aren't in the air do you know what i mean like that 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 output isn't damaging the planet so like even as far as non-essential travel like we should be limited in the amount of flights we can take every year because yeah you know all yes, of this stuff Jesus so Christ. it's like yes. so all all like this is and that's this is and i'm gonna i'm gonna use my words very carefully here this is the beautiful thing about this virus is that it's affecting everybody and everyone is for being forced to question what is actually important what industries are important what yeah. travel is important like what does and what does actually need like mm. like you know it, it's addressing issues of waste um it's addressing issues of energetic waste psychic fucking thing you actually need uh you actually go you know as a touring band i was always uh, acutely aware of the fucking immense amount of carbon I was contributing to the to the you know, to the ionosphere because just because we wanted to go be fucking famous, um, you know, we're t- planes and two buses plus a fucking uh, a giant you know diesel rig to set up our shit so that we could entertain people and of course you write it off in your head it's like love and passion and that counts for more but it's I don't know, you know, like, is there another way to do this? Maybe there's another way to do it, you know? Um, and I don't know. I, I think, I think social media was essentially invented for this exact moment. I've always wondered what the point was. It always felt like a distraction and suddenly, um, it has its place. So we'll see what, we'll see what happens and, and what, you know, AC yields. <laughs> <laughs> AC for those of you that didn't, didn't see Alex's IGTV is, is after COVID COVID nineteen. So, yeah. Um, okay, yeah. Alex, thank you so much, brother. I I, re- I really mean it, man. I'm thank speaking you. from my heart. Like thank you, you brother. you're so yeah. um, just keep going, man. I'm I'm really grateful that you're alive, and I just want you to keep going. And I hope this time has been kind to you. And I'm excited about the love that's in your life and and all of the things that are flowing. So let's keep in touch, brother. Likewise, brother. Take care. All right. Blessings. Cheers. Bye. You I've grown up some different kind of fire And when the darkness comes let inside you be your darkness is shining my darkness is shining everything in myself